Our scripture reading this morning is Luke chapter 11, verse 27 through 54. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one can, after lighting a lamp, put it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, Cleanse the outside of the cup and on the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who was made, who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witness, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them. And you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of you in this generation... Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from the scribes and, Pharise and the, the Pharisees, began to press him hard and provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Well, I want to thank Martha. Uh, that was quite a scripture today. Uh, I, I would like to say that that's the scripture Brandon gave me uh, today. And it's a, a lot of scripture. And is there an underlying principle? And the answer to that is yes, yes, there is. And to introduce that principle, um, I want to do it this way. Uh, my daughter's been married uh, about 15 years, but before she was married, 
Um, her now husband uh, wanted to meet with me and uh, get my blessing on him asking my daughter to marry him. And I, I really appreciated that. And part of what I wanted to happen in that meeting is I had a serious concern. They had, uh, had, had a courtship for several years, but two different times in those several years, uh, there had been a breakup. And my daughter had come to me, and I'd seen her broken heart. And, and, and I heard her talk to me about how um, her now husband, uh, during that season, he was struggling to commit and that he wasn't sure what he really wanted. And so I confronted uh, this young man as we were meeting together. I said, man, I just have a concern. You guys have been, you know, doing this, and you broke up a couple times. And, uh, you know, what Amy's shared with me is that you've been unsettled. And are you settled now? And what is it inside of you that's going to make you know that you're going to be settled tomorrow? And he looked at me, and he smiled, and he goes, is that what she told you? And I said, yes. And he said, well, there's a little bit more to it than that. And he began to explain some things to me. And I went to my daughter, and I told her what she said. And she kind of started laughing. She goes, yeah, I guess, I guess you only got one side while I was uh, kind of hurt. And have you ever thought that you were seeing things right, and you realized that you really weren't? Um, and, and, and the reason I mention this is because it's possible to think that you have light that you have, you've been enlightened on something. And, and then, you know, to realize that the light that you have is really darkness or it's incomplete. And, and if we think we have light when we really don't, uh, that thinking that we have light is going to be the thing that's going to cause us to resist the true light that we really need or the true truth that we really need. Um, and so when this idea is applied to spiritual matters, that's what our text is about today. And um, we do have a lot of scriptures, but I believe this is the underlying principle. And it's in Luke 11, verse 34 and 35. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. You know, when your ability to grasp truth and, and have a perspective is, is healthy, you're going to have healthy truth. But then look at the next phrase. But when it is bad, when your eye or that which you perceive truth with is bad, your body is full of darkness. When your ability to grasp truth is unhealthy, even the light that you have, is darkness. Okay, and so verse 35 is the clincher. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Be careful that what you know or think that you know isn't keeping you from what you need to know because it's the truth. So when it comes to spiritual matters and spiritual truth, he's saying be careful lest the spiritual truth in you is really a darkness because it's not true. And you think you have light, and you think you have spiritual truth, but you really don't. And the very fact that you think you do is going to be keeping you from what you really need. And so be careful. Um, here's what's going on in Luke chapter 11. Uh, Jesus, God's Messiah, our Savior and Lord, uh, he's in his earthly ministry, and he is spreading true spiritual light wherever he goes. Every miracle, every teaching is the dispersing of spiritual light. If you go back to Luke chapter 4, Jesus is just beginning his earthly ministry, and he goes to the temple one day in Nazareth, and it says this in Luke 4 verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who were oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue was fixed on him, fixed on Jesus. And verse 21, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the glorious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? 
And, 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 and so as Jesus uh, goes on here, in verse 24, Jesus says, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And, and the people had a spiritual light. They had, you know, they, they were the people of Israel. They were God's chosen people. Uh, they had the law of Moses. They had the covenant that started with Abraham. Um, they, they had the prophets that had come to them with the word of God. But though they marveled at God's word as Jesus read the word that day, they were not accepting the truth of who Jesus was revealing himself to be. And you might say that their light was really darkness. And if you don't know that you're in dark, or if you, if you, if you know that you're in darkness, you're going to be looking for the light, okay? But if you don't know you're in darkness, you may resist the light that you really need. I remember one time we were on a vacation, and we, Gene and I, we went to this place that had a cave, and we decided, hey, we're going to check out the cave. So they had these little lanterns that you could, you could rent. Well, I'm a cheapskate, okay? And so I'm thinking, I got a cell phone. Who needs a lantern? You know, I got my little flashlight on that. We walk into this cave. I turn on my flashlight. You could not see anything with that little flashlight, hardly. And, and then this dude comes in with a lantern, and he's going in there, and man, it's this beautiful glow, and you can see all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking, I got to get rid of the light that I have and go out and get me one of those lanterns, okay? Now, um, all through Luke, Jesus is recorded as healing. He's casting out demons. He's preaching about the kingdom of God. He's ministering to people. And in so doing, he is sharing and revealing spiritual truth spiritual light, yet oftentimes the people in, of Israel in general and their leaders, their religious leaders in particular, they are rejecting Jesus' truth and light. And the reason is because they thought they had a greater light, but they really didn't. Um, a quick example is back in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus went to the temple in Nazareth that one day that we just read about when he, you know, he, he read the scripture, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, you know, recovering of sight to the blind. And he, you know, and he said, today it's fulfilled in, 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 in your sight. And then if you go on and you read that passage, he starts to teach about how God's truths are not just for uh, the people of God, Israel, but it's for everyone, even the Gentiles, and the way that they responded to that new spiritual truth that had come their way through Jesus, who is the Messiah, who they were rejecting, is they wanted to push him over a cliff and get rid of the truth, get rid of the light. Now, um, the next five chapters, chapters 5 to 10, uh, all about Jesus teaching and healing and ministering. And then you get to chapter 11. And Jesus casts a demon out of a man who was mute, and he starts talking. And, and, and then it says in verse 15 of Luke chapter 11, but some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking him for a sign from heaven. The, the interesting thing, no one's receiving the truth of who Jesus is. You know, the people were not accepting the light of the truth that Jesus was proclaiming. Oh, uh, you know, give us another sign. We're not going to take what you, you know, we just had a sign, but, you know, give us another. <laughs> or or uh, we're not going to believe, you know, what the religious leaders were doing is they were saying, um, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to attack Jesus. A miracle really took place, but he must have done it by evil powers. He must have done it by the prince of demons. And by the way, Jesus' answer to that, and Brandon went over this really well, but was just that that, that doesn't even make sense that I would, I would do this by the prince of demons because, because a house divided against itself can't stand, and it's, it's not like Satan casting out Satan. And then, and then you get to verse 20, which is pivotal. Uh, in, in Luke eleven twenty, but if it is by the finger of God, Jesus said, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You know, if it's by the finger of God, then spiritual truth is coming upon you. And your responsibility is to receive it. And that's the central guiding truth. By the way, this, this central guiding idea, it started back in chapter 8 when Jesus taught the parable of the seed and the sower and, and how, you know, the, the whole emphasis was what are people doing with the spiritual truth that comes their way in Jesus? What are they doing with that truth? 
and to make it personal. What are we doing with the truth? You know, the people in Jesus' day, um, they, they would have never said the light that we have is really false. And yet, I don't think we need to say that we, we necessarily stand beyond this. The driving principle is in Luke eleven thirty five. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. That word careful, it, it means to take heed. And, and by the way, it's, 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 it's the only command that I found in, in, in this area of Scripture. And so Jesus is commanding you. He, Jesus is like, I am com- here's what Jesus is saying. I am commanding you to pay close attention to this, to be careful, so that the spiritual light that you have isn't really darkness. Jesus is saying, don't miss my truth of who I am. And, 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 and the truth of God that comes in and through me. It's a warning. Be sure that your truth isn't keeping you from God's true truth. Um, as I read this, I thought, man, how, how in the world am I going to like, present this? And, and as I kept re- reading and reading, I, I discovered that there's basically four examples through this text about specific ways that the people in Jesus' day were in danger of missing God's truth in light because they were fixated on their own truth uh, that they had, they had discovered in life. And, and so they were focusing on a false spiritual light. And they were highlighting that, and that was causing them to miss Jesus in his truth. And so um, I want to I divide this up as four things that people tend to substitute for the true truth and light that comes only in Jesus. And, and, and what I'd like us to do today is do some self-evaluation and, and, and try to apply this in our own lives and say, man, is there something for me here? Is, is, is this just a history lesson or Where am I when it comes to having the true truth of Jesus active in my life? And so here we go. Um, Four things that people tend to substitute for the true spiritual light of Jesus. And one is moral reform. Moral reform is not an adequate substitute for the true spiritual light and truth of Jesus. And so Jesus was ministering in a culture right here of people that were very concerned about moral laws, okay? They had the laws of God, the laws of Moses. Uh, And just lining our lives up and accepting God's laws and trying to keep them is not the same thing as receiving a Savior who is sent from God to be able to do a whole rework on our heart and our life and transform us into the the life of a a son of God uh, who is really his. And so the verses just prior to this that we read today, Brandon touched on these a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, uh, it it spoke um, uh, uh, about um, uh, not being neutral about who Jesus is and the truth of who Jesus is. Because when it comes to the truth of who Jesus is as Savior and Lord, we're either for him or we're against him. And the way that Jesus said that in Luke eleven twenty three, 23, Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me. And, 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 and before I, I read these verses in 11, verse 24, I, 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 want, I want you to remember that Jesus healed a man who was mute. The religious leaders were rejecting who Jesus was. No, you did it by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And Jesus said, no, I didn't. And then Jesus uh, teaches... Uh, about how he was doing it by the finger of God and they need to pay attention to the truth uh, that the kingdom of God was there. And then he teaches about unclean spirits, verse 24. When the, this is Luke 11, 24. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. And this is about someone who has not received the truth of who Jesus is as the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and so somehow this person has a demon cast out, or the demon leaves. And, 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 and yet the righteousness of Jesus and the Spirit of God has not come into this person. It's only a moral 
reform. And so the, the, the words swept and kept in order have to do with this moral reform. I've turned from my evil ways. I've left those things behind, you know, those things like my lying, my greed, my, my sexual immorality, my addiction. I've, I've left those things behind. I, I've, I've gotten rid of my demons. But if there is not a redo on the inside, a new power of residence from the very kingdom of God that comes through Jesus Christ, that life of moral reformation is going to end up worse in the end. Because there's nothing that, that, that is strong enough to overcome evil in them. Look at what the demon says in verse 24. I will return to my house from which I came. He's declared it's his territory. I remember one time when I was in El Salvador, we were doing a medical clinic in a village. And um, I had this guy come, and uh, he was a mess, and, and he, he was an alcoholic, and he was homeless, and he was dirty, and he was standing there. And, man, we got engaged in this conversation, and I, t- I told him, you know, uh, about Jesus, and I said, uh, are you ready to embrace faith in Jesus Christ and let him change your life? He goes, I, I will as soon as I get rid of my alcohol. He says, first I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of my alcohol, then I'm going to come to Jesus. I said, man, it won't work. I said, you got to do it the other way around. You come to Jesus, and then he'll come in you, and he'll give you the power to overcome those things that are tearing you apart. And, and he, he refused Jesus, and he went on his way. I was a year later in El Salvador at uh, the same village doing another medical clinic, and this guy that was all put together came up. And, and he said to me, he said, do you remember me? And I said, no. And he said, I came to this clinic last year. I was an alcoholic. I was home. I go, yeah, I do remember you. And he said, here's what happened. He said, "Uh, I went four or five months, and um, I tried to get rid of my alcoholism, and I couldn't. And he said, "I, I remember what you said, so I went to church. And I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. And, and through Jesus coming in my life and then the church helping me along the way, I, 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 have, I have now been, you know, alcohol-free for several months. And I have a job and I have a home. And more importantly, I have a family in Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm part of his people. Amen. And, um, you, you know, moral reform itself is not an adequate substitute for the spiritual light and the spiritual truth and transformation that only comes through Jesus Christ. We need a Savior. In John chapter 1, verse 9, we read these words. It's about Jesus. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, Yet the world did not know him. And listen to this. Listen to verse 11. What a commentary on Luke chapter 11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But then verse 12. But to all who did receive him. What is it to receive him? Uh, To those who believe in his name. Those who trust their life to him. They trust their sin to him. They they trust their eternity to him. They, they, They trust in who he is. Those who believe in his name, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, that's number one. Moral reform is not an adequate substitute for the spiritual light and truth of Jesus. Number two, verbal affirmation of Jesus is not an adequate adequate substitute for the truth and spiritual light of who Jesus is. Okay, this time, it's Luke eleven twenty seven. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, remember, just prior to this, um, <clears throat> you got the religious leaders telling Jesus, Uh, You're not healing and casting out demons by God's power. You're doing it by uh, an evil power, okay? And then uh, he's taught, and and so Jesus is teaching, no, it's by the hand of God, and and he teaches about, um, um, you know, the the, the unclean spirits. And and, and then this woman comes up, and as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice, and can you get the picture in your mind? This woman's yelling out, and she said, 
Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which, by which you were nursed, you know? It's a lot more positive comment than what the religious leaders were saying. No, you're casting out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, okay? She admires Jesus. She's even blessing him and blessing his mother, Mary. She's saying, you know, your mother was so blessed to have you as her son. Jesus' response is interesting, verse 28. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. If you take that first word, but, and then the word rather, and you put them together, it's one Greek participle, and here's what it's called. It's called a corrective participle. And so when Jesus said, but, blessed rather, he's saying, I want to correct you here. He's not so much rebuking, although he kind of is, but he's correcting. It's like you're not really telling the truth. <laughs> you know? And he says, here's the, here's the real blessing. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Those who, those who receive the word of God, the truth and the light of God, and then they live it out. That's where the blessing is. <laughs> you know, there's a greater blessing than being in close physical proximity to Jesus as he walked this earth. The real blessing is blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are those who receive the truth of God and live it. I mean, think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Her true blessing, truest blessing, not just being the, the mother of Jesus, the Messiah, her truest and fullest blessing was that an angel came to her and she was wondering, what kind of greeting is this? And the angel says, you're going to have a child and, 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 and that which is conceived in you is going to be the son of God. And she's like, wait a minute, how can I have a child if I've never been intimate with the man? And, and, and then, and, and then the, the angel says, no, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring this conception in you. And you are going to be the, 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 the mother of, of the Messiah, basically. And here's what she said. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 1. Let it be to me according to your word. She, she, she received the truth and, and she lived it. She, 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 she adopted it. She applied it. She, she received Jesus as the Christ, the promised Messiah. She adjusted her whole life to the truth of God's light and God's truth. The evidence of receiving God's true light and truth is a heart conversion, not just appreciating Jesus, not just admiring his ministry, but a total life transformation that begins with the cleansing of our sin and ends with us being entering into his glory. It never ends, but it goes to us entering into glory. Um, when we receive Jesus, we receive the one who gives new light and new life into our lives. When we receive Christ by faith, we are not admiring him, but rather we are letting go of every other lesser spiritual light that ever we've had or whatever our culture has taught us or whatever. We, we let go of all those other lights, all those other truths, and this is what repentance is. We let all of that go, and we cling on to the truth of who Jesus claims to be. <laughs> and he changes us from the inside out. Um, Jesus said in, 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 in Luke eleven twenty. let's go back to this because it's just beautiful. Um, but if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, they were rejecting him. And then listen to what he says in verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. And Jesus is saying, basically, you need a power stronger than Satan in a person's life for them to be able to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. You know, it, it, it's like the truth is that, that Jesus came to, to, to be on the offensive and take us out of Satan's grip. Je 
until a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, that person may not be demon-possessed, but that person is under the, 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 the domination of Satan. And, and they need someone stronger than demons and stronger than Satan's to rescue them. And that's why we need a Savior. Jesus is taught that true conversion is, is, is far more than something that a human being can do for themselves. It, it, you know, it's not an attempt at moral reformation. It's not just admiring Jesus that he has a great ministry and he's a good teacher. No, it takes a power that exceeds the power of the demonic and the power of Satan himself. It, it takes the power of God to be able to remove the strong man, Satan, so that he can rescue us from the dominions of evil and a sin-sick world. It takes receiving Jesus, who is the Son of God, the Savior, and the promised Messiah, and receiving him for who he is. You know, one thing that I've, I've noticed is that um, we had something that those people back 2,000 years ago that Jesus was ministering to didn't have, man. We have the recorded scriptures of God. And we have recorded about how Jesus is God come to earth in the flesh and how he showed us the glimpses of the kingdom of God. You know, what's the kingdom of God like? It's, like? it's like the blind being able to see, like the sick being able to be healed, like the lame walking, like the, the dead being raised again. And we get all these glimpses of the kingdom of God, but, but then we get the truth of God that Jesus never sinned. And not only did he never sin, but because the wages of sin is death before a holy God, Jesus died for our sins as a substitute, as a sacrifice for us, and then he rose again to show that he is the victor over sin, death, hell, and Satan, and that everyone who calls on his name can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates us from the God who we love, and, or excuse me, the God who loves us. You know, and once we come to truly receive him, that new life in Christ is evidenced by us receiving the word and living it out. You know, receiving the word and living it out. I, when, when I think about these things, I think this is why Jesus taught these words. This is in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does what? who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And the issue is not did we know some things about Jesus, not did we admire some things about Jesus, not did we try to serve Jesus in a few ways. The, the real issue is do we know him? Have we come to truly receive him by, by believing, trusting our life and our all to who he says he is? Okay, so number one, moral reform is not an adequate substitute for the true spiritual light and truth of Jesus. Verbal affirmation of Jesus is not an adequate substitute for the true spiritual light and truth of Jesus. And here's number three. Seeking signs. Seeking signs are not an adequate substitute for the true spiritual light and truth of Jesus. Just seeking signs and to be part of where we see the power of God at work. Luke eleven twenty nine. When the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say, you're so great and so good. No, listen to what he said, man. This is the sermon of Jesus. This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah. Now, I think there's a link back to Luke eleven fourteen, 14, when it says, Now he was casting out a demon that was mute, and when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, not to receive him, but to test him, kept seeking from him, a sign from heaven. You know, and so they refused to receive the word of God until they had another sign. It means that they were rejecting him. They, I mean, he just did a sign. And, and to accuse Jesus of being Satan or to refuse to believe in Jesus, even though you've witnessed the power of God in and through Jesus and his work, 
That is to be associated with that which is evil. And it was an evil generation. It's evil to marvel at the power of God and Jesus and just one another's side. And there's been several occasions in my life where I've talked to people about the good news of Jesus Christ and asked them, you know, about embracing faith in Jesus for who he really is. To have people say to me something like, well, I'll believe if he heals my mother. I'll believe if he does this or if he does that. And here Jesus said to his generation, no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah. And let's unpack that for just a few minutes. The only other place in the Bible that I know of where it talks about the sign of Jonah, and it's mentioned in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 to 41. So let me read that. This is in Matthew 12, 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Now, in Matthew, the sign of Jonah is associated with Jesus being, I mean, with Jonah being three days in the, in the belly of a fish and Jesus being three days in the heart of the earth. So in Matthew, there's this association between the sign of Jonah and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But, but Luke doesn't mention the thing about, about Jonah being three days in the fish and Jesus being three days in the heart of the earth. So there's a little bit different emphasis here. And, and, and in Luke, it says, um, oh, you know, when, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign. No sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became, as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Then verse 32, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And so as I read this over and over, I thought, you know what? The emphasis in Luke seems to be, and I'm not saying that it's not about uh, the future resurrection of Jesus Christ, because I believe that's there here too, but it seems like the emphasis in Luke is, is, is on Jesus uh, uh, talking about the preaching of Jonah and the people being willing to repent and lay down their, their false religions and adopt the, 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 the truth of God as it came through the prophet Jonah. And so it's almost like in Luke, it's almost like Jesus is saying, you want a sign? I'll, I'll give you a sign. God's Messiah is before you. I, you have the message that I've been giving. You've seen, uh, you know, you, you've, sent, or you've sensed that truth in your own heart. You have seen the power of God work in and through my life. And just as the people in Jonah's day, you don't need another sign. What you need to do is you need to receive the message you, that you already have. It's the, you know, I am preaching the message to you just like Jonah preached the message to them. What you need to do is you need to be like the people of Nineveh and repent and come to me and receive the truth that I have to give you. You see, the sign, or at least part of the sign, is that Nineveh did repent. They, they left their lesser lights, and they, they turned to Jesus, who is the truth and the light. Amen. You know, they realized God's light was on them, and they heard the message, and they, they what did they do? They received the message, and they lived it out. That's what they did. They lived a blessed life. You know, Jesus is saying, someone greater than Jonah is here. More than a prophet coming by, to Tarshish by way of a fish, you got the Son of God coming from heaven all the way to earth. You know? And, and, and then, not only is the non-Jewish nation of Nineveh used to show what it is to receive God's true spiritual light as the people of Jonah's day repented and, and believed, um, Jesus gives this other example of a, of a woman from Africa that comes all the way from Africa to Israel because she, she resonated with, with hearing about the wisdom of God being in Solomon, King David's son. 
And in Luke eleven thirty one, 31, we read these words. The queen of the south will rise up at judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And basically, uh, Jesus is saying, man, this woman uh, sacrificed a lot and she came a long way because she believed that she was seeking after the wisdom of God by coming to Solomon. And then he says, something much greater than Solomon is here. You know, I, I am the truth and the life. I, 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 I am the wisdom of God. I'm the word of God become incarnate. And you have the wisdom of God here. And, and, and it's, it, you haven't had to go anywhere to get it. He's come to you and you've rejected. And so there's these warnings in 31 and 32. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. Because they were holding on to false truth and they were missing God's truth. And then you got in verse 32, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and be sold something greater than Jonah is here. Seeking signs and just another thing. It's not an adequate substitute for the true spiritual light that comes only, are we receiving God's light to us? Okay, so here's the last one, all right? Following religious traditions are not an adequate substitute for the true spiritual light and truth that comes only in Jesus. In the last verses, 37 through 54, we are not, we are not going to go into detail, by the way. Um, but, but I want you to take notice, once again, the religious people and leaders of Jesus' day were missing God's spiritual truth because they were fixated on their own religious activities. And they were trusting in that instead of in God's Messiah, Jesus. The light that they had all focused on was their outward religious activity, and it was unhealthy. You know, it was keeping them from the truth of God. Um, do you remember in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd? Do you remember when it has this phrase, you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies? Well, in verse 37, you have a Pharisee who's rejecting Jesus and the, and, and, and the spiritual light of Jesus, and he, and he has a dinner for Jesus. And so Jesus is definitely having dinner in the midst of his enemies, okay? And, and Jesus, of all things, did not ceremonially wash his hands. It wasn't a biblical issue, but it caused a ruckus. And one of the things that the, the Pharisees did, the religious people, um, they had religious tr traditions and they would write out detailed interpretations on how they could follow certain laws of God so that if they could keep all of these details, they could convince themselves, I'm following God's law, okay? And really what they were doing is they were lessening the command because the way that they were approaching it was on how they could follow the command instead of how they could be changed in their hearts so that God could work through them to live out his commands. All right, And so all this is going on, and, 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 and one of the rules that they came up with is if they're going to be properly holy before God, before they eat, they got to have this ceremonial washing. And, and the Bible and the law didn't so much command it, but it was a big deal. And, and, and so they were amazed. It says that the Pharisee was astonished that Jesus doesn't ceremonially wash. And Jesus chooses to use the whole thing as a teaching moment. And so it says in verse 39, and the Lord said to him, that Pharisee, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you were full of greed and wickedness. So the greed would be willing to use your money for yourself, but not for others, okay? Um, uh, and and, and, and um, the, uh, doing it wickedly would be using your resources basically in a way that offends God. And, and, and he says, uh, you're foolish. You're fools, verse 40. Did not, he who made, uh, did not he who made the outside make the inside also, but give uh, as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. So it's foolish to try to look good and spiritual on the outside if you're not connected to God and you're all corrupt on the inside. That's foolishness. 
And, 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 and basically, don't think that you're, you're tithing. It, 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 oh, wait a minute. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Um, and so basically what he's saying here is make sure that you're clean on the inside, not just clean on the outside. And then he gives some woes. And a woe is an expression of deep regret. And so it's like Jesus is saying, but woe to you Pharisees. Man, I'm just so, I feel so sorry for you. For you tithe the mint and the rue and every herb and neglect the justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the other. You know, it's like, it's not bad that you're meticulous about your tithing. Um, and, 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 and yet, you know, look at your heart. What, do you even value justice? Do you value loving God? Are you using your resources in a way that, that upholds justice and loves God? But you're all concerned about, man, am I doing this and am I doing that in every little way? He says, woe to you Pharisees. I, you know, by the way, Jesus said, when it comes to tithing, it's, it, you know, that's good, but, but don't neglect God's justice and love. Okay, and then verse 43. Woe to you Pharisees. For you love the best seats in the synagogue and the greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you're like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. You know, don't think that the good seats, religious positions, and fancy greetings make you more spiritual. Oh, hi, brother, reverend, so-and-so, you're so good. You know, don't, don't think that makes you all spiritual. You know, one of the traditions that the Pharisees had was that they were careful to ever walk on an unmarked grave because if you would mark on a grave that you didn't realize was a grave and it was unmarked, you know, that would make you ceremonially unclean. And then you'd have to go through a whole series of rituals to be able to become clean again that you could go to the temple or go in fellowship uh, again. And Jesus says, you, now listen, here's what he says to this guy while he's over at his house for dinner. He says, you are the unmarked grave. You know? Uh, people can't see it, but, but you look all religious on the outside and you are spiritually dead on the inside is what he's saying. And when they come in contact with you, they get corrupted. They get negatively spiritually affected by you. Well, one of the lawyers answered him in verse 45, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. <laughs> now, the lawyers, those are the ones that keep all these laws of God, Okay. And he said, woe to you lawyers also. Man, I just feel sorry for you lawyers. For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your, with, with one of your fingers. That they were, they were adding burdens. They took the laws, they wrote up all these other rules so that you could know that you were keeping this law, and the people are all burdened with this stuff. Nobody's concerned about just having a God come in and do a new heart change in my life so that I can be like him, but they're trying to do all these rules. And the, even the ones that are writing the rules aren't doing the rules. And so he says in verse 47, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. You are approving of the sins of your fathers, is what he's telling them. He said, therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world, may be charged against this generation. It just said, you're, you're sinning by approving of what the other people in generations gone by did that were sinful before God, and you, you should know that. I don't know if you saw it, but they thought they had spiritual light. They thought they were so spiritual. They thought they were so spiritually alive, but they were really in darkness, and they were spiritually dead, and condemnation was coming upon them. They didn't know it. They didn't even know that they were getting ready to be the crowd that was saying, yes, crucify him, crucify him, when it came to the Son of God, our Savior and our Lord. Verse 52, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the, the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. Basically, your blindness to the truth is causing others to miss the truth. No wonder Jesus called them the blind leading the blind. Following religious traditions is never an adequate substitute for true spiritual light and truth of Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. He is the Lord. You know, if you were in a big city and it's nighttime, you look up and 
you just kind of see a glow. You can't really see any stars, right? And, and, and when you look out, you see the buildings and you see the streets and you see the cars and different things. You can see lights. And they might even look good. But imagine that those are the things of the world, but the stars is the truth of God, okay? You got you to gotta get out of the city to be able to see the stars. And, and I, I, if you would just work with me here on that illustration... There, 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 there's certain lights in the world and some say this is the way and this is the way and this is the way and we have all these truths and we, if we get so fixated on those things, we, we are going to miss the truth of God in Jesus Christ. You see, and the truth of, of, of God in Jesus Christ is that Jesus is God come to this world in the flesh. And, and, and he not only showed us what the kingdom of God live, looks like, but he offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And he rose again, and he's ascended to heaven, and he's coming again, and all those who are truly his and have received him by believing in who he is will be with him forever. And are you accepting the light of who Jesus is? Because one of my burdens is, it's possible to go to church and think, because I'm going to church, because I'm doing this or doing that, I'm good. And my light has blinded me from the truth. So there's a little verse in the Bible. It says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It does not say whoever morally reforms their life. It does not say whoever verbally affirms Jesus is a great person. It does not say whoever seeks after signs and, and, and great wonders of God. It does not say those who have their religious traditions that they are committed to. It says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let me end with this. John 1, 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, or you could say the power, to become the children of God. Receive the light and the truth of Jesus. And if you already have and you've gotten away, why not come back? And... If you know you need Jesus and you know you need to turn to him, I'm going to be down here and I would love to have a conversation with you and, and just, uh, you know, nail that down. I, I know that there's others here that would love to talk to you and that would even be better. Um, thank you, God, uh, for your word. I know it's a lot today. I pray that you would give each one of us eyes to see that we would take forth what we need from your word this day. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.